0: Y'all. I'm Mary Grace Vinson, I'm Keri McGraw,
1: and I'm Kevin Liu,
0: coming at you from Black Box Studios with Click, a podcast all about the black sitcom,
1: tap into your nostalgia,
0: shed some light on the cultural implications of these shows, and in doing
2: so, dive deeper into the lessons and messages of the shows we know and love.
1: This podcast is a product of English students at Auburn University in Alabama.
0: This episode was recorded on September 23rd, 2018. This podcast is a part of a larger
2: project to examine blackness as it's portrayed on the screen,
1: the TV shows we grew up with,
2: their implications now, and how they've impacted society and commented on the humanity of black folks as a whole.
0: Hey, pass me the remote. Okay, okay, so? So, we want to start um, with a little disclaimer kind of about our identities and how just for your awareness as an audience of how those might inform some things that we're saying in our particular perspectives. So I am a white woman, so I, any perspective that I offer on black feminism is not necessarily informed by a personal experience of blackness, but I do have, you know, a personal experience of femaleness. (laughs) Say. Okay, and um, I am a Hispanic
2: woman, so uh, I, like Mary Grace, I have an understanding of, like, the, like, womanness essentially, but I don't, um, apart from the things I've seen in, like, the shows and things we've discussed, um, I don't have a super informed opinion, I guess, about black femininity.
1: Yeah. And I am, I'm Kevin Liu, and so I am an Asian guy, Asian man, Um, boy as my girlfriend would say (laughs) but um, that being said I don't know what it's like to be black or a woman I do know what it's like to be a minority in that sense so I can relate to like issues of like you know prejudice and racism in some senses but not totally Mm -hmm. and so that's where I'm coming from and I am a male perspective, not the male perspective, but also in this one episode for a different world, misunderstanding. Yeah. It's not misunderstanding, it's, it's misunderstanding. Um it talks about issues plaguing um like the differences between men and women and this dude who's a six year graduate, um, whatever, he decides to sell this book called Misunderstanding, The Guide to Figuring Out Men for Women, especially at Hillman College. Uh, historically black college and then he's like the human man will always be mature if human woman caters to him human man must treat woman like a queen and like all these like sort of rhetoric and stuff and then it's just like (laughs) it's it's like problematic because like all of the women are on his side and actually think that like yes that's true but i think in all the book it basically creates this dynamic of women having to be put on a pedestal, which I think is equally as sexist as saying that woman has to do this. Yeah. It's like, you're because you're objectifying women to a standard that's more like, not realistic.
2: Yeah, I think okay, and at that putting women on a pedestal, even though like it's a very surface level, it sounds like oh, okay, that's nice. You're gonna treat them yeah, yeah, well. Yeah, it's a positive stereotype. It sounds like no. a positive thing, but. In fact, making women out to seem like these like delicate things that need to be and protected gel, you know. taken care of what would, uh, I guess you were saying the angel, like angel in the house the thing. angel yeah, yeah. in the house yeah you could you know. um, yeah making women out to seem like this thing that needs to be protected and that is too meek to to like do anything for themselves just traps them in a certain Binaries. role right yeah
0: and like a pedestal is like a dehumanizing
1: thing and then we our friend Bree just dropped by.
0: Hey, Bri. Hey, guys. Really
3: hey. excited to be here again. Um, I'm Brie, um, and I have the wonderful honor, uh, the greatest joy in the world of being a black woman. Um, <laughs> so I am very excited to have this conversation, and I love that we have a plethora of different identities in the room, which offers a wide range of experiences, um, and just being able to understand that we all have something different to offer and i really would love to see and hear about y'all's perspectives on black femininity um because i get to live in it every day and experience that and i really want to see what like what people are looking at on the outside like Mm -hmm. are we really as lit as we think we are (laughs) you know from other people's perspective so yeah and i'm super excited to get like an insider's perspective on this yeah again like kevin said i am one perspective not all, not the voice for black women, um, but a voice.
0: So, yeah. All right. Awesome. Okay. So we want to go in a little bit talking about um, some shows that we've been watching and some sources that we've all been reading to kind of give y'all a background on the kind of no- framework of knowledge that we're working with today. So we've been watching um, some Martin and some Moesha, a lot of Cosby show. Um, a, a different, different world. world. Yeah. yeah, that's a big one. And uh The Boondocks, which was an interesting <laughs>
2: one. Which wasn't technically supposed to be in there, but we watched it anyway. <laughs> watched it anyway. Yeah. yeah.
0: It relates a little bit.
1: And then Living Single.
0: Yeah, Living Single. Yeah. So what kind of pops out from those like which episodes did you all really want to touch on today?
2: Ooh. Yeah, <laughs> okay. So one of the one of the things I want to talk about um I think is Moesha. <laughs>
4: Okay, so real talk,
2: though. I think that would be a good place to start. Um, so, Moesha, the episode that I'm kind of thinking about is the Million Boy March, where it really kind of touches on um, black femininity and how that plays off of like black masculinity. I think there's like an interesting dynamic in the episodes um, that kind of points towards that. So, in the episode, Moesha is doing all sorts of amazing things. Like, she is really stepping up and fighting against, like, sexist practices. Like, she gets onto this council that's supposed to be for, only for men. And she is fighting for women to get scholarships. And she's really showing how she can control, like, take control of her own life and her own situations and really step up. And, um, the
0: whole time, uh, what's his name? What's his Oh, cast? um... The guy, the the main guy. Oh, it's um It's a funny name. Yeah, it's a weird one. Don't they call him like by his last name or something? It's
3: I can't remember his name either.
0: But we'll link the episode. Yeah, yeah, we'll y'all can figure it out for us.
2: But anyway, that guy, um from the moment he she gets there, he's super hostile. He's saying like this is a male space essentially and you can't be part of it. You're you're gonna ruin this like thing we have going on for us. And even when she steps up and shows that she can run things better than him and basically saves the day, he's still super aggressive. Like, he is intimidated by how well she is doing what she does. Um, And at the end of the episode, he does realize, it's like, oh, you know, I messed up. And he apologizes.
0: Except then he goes back on it. And he's like, they go out on a date and then he's like, oh, but can you stay out of this picture that the newspaper's taking because I want... The black men to get credit for this, but I do want to say a kind of devil's advocate thing to to kind of bring up this question of, so he the the guy whatever his
3: name Woodlock.
0: is Whitlock Whitlock thank, yes. yes. so yes. thank, thank you very much thank you
3: what a weird name yes.
0: <laughs> <laughs> God. Um he says that this is a male space and you weren't asked here because they do specifically ask for male delegates and that is a wrong thing in a way but. Would it be wrong were if Whitlock were a female in this real black women's group for the church to then send black men? Like, would a female group leader have been wrong in turning away black men, or is there some essential difference there? Mm.
1: That's, that's a really, really, good, that's question. really good question. <laughs>
0: yeah, um, I think
3: from my perspective, just me as a person, I think there's this really interesting dynamic between black womanhood and black manhood you see in the media a lot and just in the world that we live in that people portray black manhood as like this dying fleeting thing um and we see it in a couple episodes of cosby we see it reinforced um when watching martin um we we yeah. see that we get, you know, and everybody's taking a <laughs> side. <No. laughs> because Martin is so problematic watching it now as a 21-year-old and as a kid. I was like, I love oh Martin, this is so funny, he's hilarious. And then now I'm like, oh no, he's a sexist." Like... You know, Gina, girl, leave. Um, but we see so much this reinforcement of a strong black male um, in kind of in a relation to what people would is assume that white households um, do so well, and they can create wealth and have these just generational success because they have fathers present all the time, mm-hmm. and so there's this constant push in the black community for us to make sure that we are training our boys, saving our sons, and keeping them together. But and but now also in what is people being not present for whatever reason, which I don't think is, I don't think mm-hmm. having a father is a prerequisite to success. That's the first thing. Amen. Yeah. You know, like shout out
1: to my mom. No you know, for, single <laughs> mother who raised me. Exactly.
3: Shout out to yeah. my mom too. Also yeah. a single parent. Um. And so I don't think that's a prerequisite for success at all. Right. But in what is we have these strong black women. I mean, just doing the damn thing. And <laughs> um, it, it's this really interesting dynamic on we have these strong black men in our community and we need to uplift and push them and uphold them and then we have these strong black women but we have all this attention on these strong black men but also, like, black women are intersectionally marginalized and mm-hmm. it's like, oh, what do we do? <laughs> How do we fix this? Like, what's going on? And, um, yeah, like, it's it's really, really interesting. I don't know... If I was in, I'm in a group of women, I'm in a sorority, um, a historically African-American sorority, um, and I, by virtue of it being a sorority, we don't allow men, right. um, so I guess if we organized something and a male delegate showed up, we'd be like, hey, this is a sorority event, yeah. Um, yeah. but I don't, but when we do have things for men, women, whoever to come, I um, mm-hmm. We don't turn down help, Mm -hmm. right? Uh, Right, especially don't turn down help the way they turn down. help. Yeah, we Mm -hmm. first of all, black women are too classy to ever be like. We would never be hostile. We'd never be on some. Well, you can't be here. This is a a woman's space. Like, (laughs) mm -hmm. (laughs) how archaic and stupid does that sound? You know? Yeah. Yeah.
1: Also, is in the episode Million um, Boy March, is it a group of black fraternity men? I don't, More, think I don't think so. I, don't it's like I think experience. they're like, like youth. A yeah, like youth, a youth council. Yeah, a youth but the council. thing, which is really interesting, because it's like, why does Whitlock view youth as, like, for black men as opposed to including black women? Right. And then it's like, I thought it was really interesting, because um, in that episode, Moesha, when she decides to go on a date with um, Whitlock, it's like, does that moment undercut her feminism, or does it, like, can she do both? Can right. her sort of personal interests be at the same, um, can she do that without having to basically undermine her feminism as a black woman? And it's like that question that's really interesting. It's like, because it's like the idea that if you're a black woman, you have to choose between your race or your gender, because it's like the struggle of being a minority and going through the issues of racism. For, you know, black people, and then it's like, why do you have to sort of choose between your gender and race, yeah. which is really yeah. interesting. I
3: always, when, when that question, when we brought that up in class and we were talking yeah. about, I can't believe she went on a date with him, and I <laughs> spoke up and was like, but he was fine, so, <laughs> so like, I mean, yeah, why like, not, and it's like, mm-hmm. my question back to, back to that, to mm-hmm. anybody who asks that is, would we ever ask a man to choose between, to choose. Would would we? Like, would we say, well, this woman said something really problematic and is really not for you and really not about advancing you as a person. So, because she is, and she's attractive, but you need to figure out whether you're going to stand with your like your man guide on the inside, or whether you're gonna succumb to the fact that she's beautiful and go on a date with her. Like nobody would ever ask a man no, God. that. No so guys. Yeah. Where it's yeah. like
2: she's attractive, she gets a pass for anything.
1: Like, if I had to describe him, he just he's so he exists in this bubble of like fragile masculinity where anything that you know, if he doesn't make enough money or he doesn't seem man enough, he has to essentially front in front of his boys. Mm. And especially with Gina, how he sort of treats her, it's like, um, the problem is, like, he cares more about what his boys think of him and, like, what his audience, who are complete strangers to him, think about his, like, idea of black manhood as opposed to actually being, you know, like, kind and, you know, in their relationship with Gina. It's like, he cares more about other people's opinions than respecting the woman that he's in a relationship with, which is a really big issue in my opinion. And then it's like, Gina has to constantly like, act and basically calm him down, and like everything she does is to basically, sort of like get him emotionally right. And then it's just.
2: I think going back to um, the the thing we were talking about uh, about her taking the date. Yeah. I I think in a way. You can kind of see it as, like, does it contradict with her feminism? Well, not really. I mean, you can see that as an expression of her feminism. Like, she has the choice. She has the freedom to be able to
3: make those decisions. Yeah. And that's part of it. Like, as a a smart woman, Mm -hmm. she can stand up for her moral compass and go back and forth with him and have whatever opinion she has of him and, and think he's insane and problematic um, and she can also think at the exact same time that he is cute. I mm-hmm, said this in yeah. class, but, like, there are guys that I know that are, like, that I have a, a set standard. Like, of a, like, oh, my God, like, he comes from a good family, and he has ambition, and he is, you know, going to be successful, and he is very attractive. But, dang, he said one thing that was really, really problematic, so I yeah. guess now I can't talk to him. Like, no, we're yeah. just, we're just
0: going to have an argument probably about the right. problematic thing you said. Well, because every human says problematic things in fairness. Yeah. Like, there's mm-hmm. no single person who has ever, ever just never messed up. you know? So it I think the thing that bothers me about Whitlock particularly is that, like, When she, he messes up, but also when she, like, tries to make him understand how he's messing up, he meets her with hostility, not with, like, conversation, kind of. He doesn't, like, meet her halfway on his mistakes, kind of. And I
3: think that's a, I think that's a, a a human instinct. Right. When you feel threatened to meet Mm -hmm. someone back, when they, when someone corrects you, and you're already threatened. To meet them with hostility instead of trying to listen, right. because you it, it's very clear that she's superior and that she has, yeah. she has she understands and has figured all of it out and is the leader in this situation, and I think he recognized that and was threatened by it.
1: And also, it's like the idea of um, black men having to be super hyper masculine. It's like that idea of being threatened, especially by like a black woman, like that really causes problem for him but then i think at the very end of the episode he's the only one who has a problem with her being in the photo yeah. everyone else is okay with it so i don't think it's like you know he speaks on behalf of them in the same way in other episodes that other people speak on behalf of other i think it's just a him problem yeah. as well yeah. but it could be like you know representative of some like voices and ideas that have been problematic especially in the media
2: ooh, ooh. yeah speaking on that that reminds that that's a great way to transition to Martin mm. Is to, Boo. Yeah.
0: Boo. <laughs> speaking yeah. of egos yeah. the biggest ego on television yeah God.
1: because Martin he's like like if I had to describe him he just he's so he exists in this bubble of like fragile masculinity where anything that you know, if he doesn't make enough money or he doesn't seem man enough, he has to essentially front in front of his boys. Mm -hmm. And especially with Gina, how he sort of treats her, it's like, um, the problem is, like, he cares more about what his boys think of him and, like, what his audience, who are complete strangers to him, think about his, like, idea of black manhood as opposed to actually being, you know, like, kind and, you know, in their relationship with Gina. It's like, He cares more about other people's opinions than respecting the woman that he's in a relationship with which is a really big issue in my opinion and then it's like Gina has to constantly like act and basically calm him down and like everything she does is to basically sort of like get him emotionally right and then it's just like why does she have to sort of be the woman who has to like sort of make sure that her man is feeling all right
0: you know Mm -hmm. Yeah. Not, yeah, I mean, it's just, it's so much of the burden falls on the woman. And especially, like, the black woman. I think that there's, that's actually something that's kind of come up in our classes. I don't know exactly who said it, but there was a conversation of, like, well, you know, when other people fail, like, black women go in and get shit done, kind of. But that, you know, for all that it's truly, it becomes kind of a responsibility that, like, shouldn't necessarily just be on women or black women.
3: Yeah,
0: I definitely
3: feel like there's this that it's like this double edged sword and it's like okay like be strong and supportive so that you can support support your men um, and you get that in in Raisin you get Walter Lee telling Ruth that black women do not know how to support a man um, and you get them going back and forth and That made me a whole different level of mad. (laughs) You get them going back and forth because she's saying, just eat your eggs and go to work. Like, do this for me right now. Um, And not realizing on the other end of that that she's saying, do this for me right now so I can go and fix this. And so it's like you want, so it's like you want black women to be strong, strong enough to support a man who y'all, who the world has, has, just torn down as a person, but not strong enough to challenge that, that man. So it's like, what, what do you want me to do? Um, and it's, it's a really, it's an interesting space to be in as a black woman, especially, particularly in work. And yeah, it's just really, really interesting. But I, Martin just plays that over and over and over again. Um, Gina is used as comic relief
5: mm-hmm. when
3: she is yeah. intelligent. We see her later on in the series. She gets a job at this huge company and is like one of the executives, mm-hmm. and she's still playing comic relief to Martin. And it's mm-hmm. like, but no, like this mm-hmm. is this is her moment, and she is yeah. doing great. and she, he continually during the series, um, he's like, "So who's the man?" And she's like, right. you are, and it's like, it's like you're <laughs> yeah. not yeah. laying down your it's manhood gross. by recognizing mm.
2: that I am also very strong. Yeah, and justifies yeah. like that kind of behavior, that kind of like constant putting down of Gina, like m- making her life and her problems and her successes just everything is insignificant. And he plays it off because it's a man thing.
1: Mm. Yeah, I think, I think yeah. that's a problem saying it's like a man thing because it's just like come on, like, there's no one definition of manhood, and it's like if we do put a label on it, it's just problematic for all guys, because it's just like, you shouldn't be doing that.
2: And the fact that this was a show that ran for, uh, I don't don't know how many seasons, uh, a few, right? Yeah. Yeah, it ran for a few seasons, and it was on air, and I I don't, I think that how media, and television in particular, normalizes a certain type of behavior or a certain type of perspective, the fact that this was on the air for so many years um ram propagating yeah, yeah propagating this
3: kind of mindset is incredibly concerning yeah but i think when we think about the shows i've been thinking about them in context of the time that they Nine. came out in um and so the 90s i i can just see in my mind people being like yeah like we need a surge of like Strong black men, like manhood, is so mm. important, um, and it being just comical. Because yeah. when I first watched it, like as a kid, I thought mm. it was hilarious. There was a, a little Twitter debate the other day on whether Martin or Fresh Prince, Fresh Prince, was funnier. Um,
1: <laughs> what do you
3: think? <laughs> oh gosh, maybe we should ask the listeners. Okay, yeah. yeah, okay. Actually. let's do Facebook poll. Click at Black Box Studios on Facebook. Find us and respond to our Facebook poll. Is Martin funnier or is Fresh Prince funnier? Because I'm not going to lie. As problematic as Martin is, he was hilarious. (laughs) He really was.
0: See, and I think it's so hard for... Watching it now and not having any sort of nostalgic experience of it, it's mm-hmm. so hard for me to separate, like, the mm-hmm. problem Agnes. Like, I watch Martin and I'm just like, no, 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 no.
2: no, no. no. Yes. Stop yes. It every time he says something. Yes. Yeah,
0: but I mean, there's an extent to which it's valid to kind of, I mean, there's, it's okay to find that funny, even if it's got problematic elements, mm-hmm. kind of. Oh, yeah. Some and of, I mean...
2: like Some of the best humor is the most inappropriate humor. Yeah, absolutely. and it's,
0: it's, it's a complicated thing to grapple with, Like, especially as you look at things that you liked as a child, and you're like, this was... What did this do to me? Like, uh-huh. what messages <laughs> did this like, send to what me? Did
3: I, what did that give me as a a 10 year old yeah like mm-hmm. what did that
1: did have
3: means. me thinking like yeah mm-hmm. did I make decisions based off of of watching Martin God I
0: hope not yeah <laughs> you know yeah I mean so much of the masculinity in shows like that or in when I think back to shows that I watched as a kid they tended to have like strong male protagonists and I haven't like the show that my parents and I one of them was like the Andy Griffith show and we watched that as a family and like I think that if I were to go back and look at the the gender roles in that like it's an it's very quaint and a lot of the stuff feels very quaint that we watch now and I don't know like what does it do to a generation that grows up on this what do you internalize and is it do you have to acknowledge that kind of before you can approach it again I guess as an adult
1: I think in um In one of the chapters that we had to read for this week, it's like um, with the book African Americans on Television um, Racing for Ratings, there's a chapter, I think it's the ninth one, where it's like, sitcoms have a very specific relationship with the black community because it's like these 30-minute episodes that have these like real issues, Mm -hmm. but they have to be sort of wrapped up in time so there's never enough conversation as opposed to like Mm -hmm. drama stuff. So it's just like all these things are like sort of brought up, but then essentially Mm -hmm. sweeped under the rug like very quickly. Yeah, And I think that's like really one of the issues, um, especially through situational comedies themselves.
3: Black sitcoms, are revolutionary in mm-hmm. the fact that at least the issues are being presented, presented. on the screen whereas, uh, they uh, mean- whereas they weren't in other shows yeah um, and so we get dang look, I can't even believe they're talking about this mm-hmm. on television at all the yeah national audience. yeah um, but then now it's like okay so how are we gonna figure this out like, yeah we're we, we gonna we do it actually solve this problem in, oh, oh sounds cool.
1: hey Gigi!
2: Oh my God! Come on in. Gigi. We got another guest. Gigi. Yeah. Pull up
0: a chair. We're actually recording. Yeah. yeah. There go. All right. So Gigi just dropped in.
5: Yeah.
0: Say hi time. to the listeners. <laughs> hey.
5: <laughs> yeah.
0: So, so we were just talking about a different world about the episode uh Somebody Say Ho. And, uh, <laughs> was, uh, and Kimmy was saying something about the trial. What were you saying? Oh yeah, okay. So um
2: it Charmaine, they ask her, it's like, but you've called other women ho before mm-hmm. too. And so I just kinda wanted to drop that in there and just kinda would you do you guys think that the uh I mean I lost my train of thought. <laughs>
0: <laughs> like other that was something that I kind of brought up earlier is like women kind of doing that to one another because that ends up being even the conclusion of the episode is that it's another woman who has called Charmaine like digit ho or whatever it is and so what what about the narrative changes kind of when it's not a man keeping a woman down but it's actually other women kind of
4: it's like that really crazy you always try to avoid it but like race and gender thing, they always just fall right on top Mm -hmm. of each other with Mm -hmm. black women. So, you know, most times people put out things saying like, oh, women, black women aren't married by this time or Mm -hmm. are single because of X, Y, and Z, or I don't date black women because of X, Y, and Z. So sometimes we're kind of pitted against each other because we're trying to find one successful mate. Yeah. So it's kind of like, if I can get her out the way, because, you know, she was trying to get Dorian's attention.
3: Right. Isn't it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, what was his name? I don't know. I, I don't know name. anybody's name. I'm gonna be honest. No. No, I don't. Uh, but I know it's, he was cute. Yeah. yeah. He, he right.
4: ended up dated Jenny Pika Smith at the end, but like she was doing it to yes. get other people's attention. And yeah. You could see mm-hmm. that there's that dynamic of like women seeking mates. Like it's like you have to like. You know? Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. I think there's also an interesting parallel back with um, Moesha. It's like. Um, When Charmaine brings up the issue to the dean, um, is she doing it for women because it's like the idea of being called a hoe or is she doing it for like her own personal reputation? And then the thing is, like, can those two things not be one in the same? Like, do her personal interests come at the cost of undercutting or undermining her position as someone who is a feminist or can they both coexist at the same time, in the same sense with Moesha, when she decided to go on a date with Whitlock, even after the fact that he sort of kicked her out and told her that she could not fight for the youth council and get women to get scholarships. It's, like, personal interest, and it's, like, in these conversations, it's, like, does she even have to choose, sort of?
4: I think we were talking in class about, like, compartmentalizing things, Mm -hmm. and you can care about, just because I... Mm. Um, was Solange has something was like just because I'm pro black does not mean I'm anti white. It just means that I'm I'm picking or choosing which one I want to advocate more for, without invalidating the experience of others. Right. Yeah. So, I feel like um, black women have to do this really weird yeah, I thing where be- we have
3: to. Before you walked in, I talked to them about um, about how nobody would have ever asked a man to choose. Yeah. Nobody would have ever been like, so like, why would you go on a date with a crazy girl or something like no, that? No, that's like, not
4: a question that is posed. It's kind of like, good, go, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. It's, just, it's just weird. And I feel like, we were talking in class, Like you can date someone who is not perfect in a sense. Like When they say, like when you meet a guy, they're like, if he says this, this, and this, you know, like in the regulations of love, like right. there were specific things that um, Kim had to do and they still didn't work. I came in late, but did y'all like define what black feminism was? or
0: No, we haven't really mm-hmm. defined it. We've been a kind of dancing around, like using it as a concept kind of. But we, yeah, we probably should put a definition yeah.
1: on it. Are we even able to do that? Because it's like if we do put a definition on something, are we creating a monolith? Or are we like, you know, creating yes. something more tangible to think about? Because it's like, um, I don't like to think in terms of like binaries because it's like
0: mm-hmm. nothing mm-hmm.
1: is ever like black or white. And then it's just like the, um, it's like all spectrum and stuff. So it's mm-hmm. like moving and navigating these sort of things. And it's like, no community is like a monolith. There's so much like diversity, even within different diverse populations in one of the articles that we read recently this week on the issue of roles with um bambara yeah yeah Yeah. doesn't she talk about the issue of like essentially creating categories or roles and stuff like i think she mentions is um in one let's see She's saying that I'm not arguing the denial of manhood or womanhood, but rather a shifting of priorities, a call for selfhood and blackhood. And so like, I thought her idea of like those sort of things were really interesting because that, like, that article was very complicated. Like when I was yeah. reading it and understanding so it. To it, to like, to yeah. take in, it. yeah, it's yeah. You digest.
2: You're kind of, you're it's kind as of a radical it, idea, as I feel you're
3: kind that. of yeah. reading it like, dang, like everything I've ever thought in the entire world is a lie.
4: Yeah, <laughs> it's just yeah. like a, like, dang. it's like unlearning
1: exactly
3: things that you've learned your whole life
1: because you've been socialized into it. Yeah,
3: yeah, you've been so, and it's you've been socialized into it, and then it's been reinforced. And then mm-hmm. not so just, not just reinforced, other people. like, yeah. by your family, but then by, like, other, other people's. people's and, mm-hmm. like, everybody, like, and if we all share, like, if in the event that we all share one view of what something is, it's like, oh, yeah, well, that's it. Like, mm-hmm. that's, mm-hmm. that is what, the, that is the accepted norm, because everybody thinks that way. Right. And that article, I was just like,
4: hmm. It really forces you to be like,
5: hmm. Maybe everything thought You know, like
4: like, rethinking patriarchy. You're like,
5: yeah. I mean,
4: I like to cook, but
5: <laughs> yeah,
4: I like to cook
1: too. But my, I, my dad cooks, yeah. But, yeah. so
4: so it's just like not, I don't know, putting a meaning behind something.
5: Yeah, you're
4: a woman because you do this, which is like what, like yeah, yeah or that's... women are emotional or women are this. It's like unlearning all that foolishness because that necessarily cause there's always like a group of people that don't do that. that yeah. Are, of one gender Mm -hmm. or you know whatever you want to classify yeah but
0: it almost i don't know see it's such a complicated article that i wasn't sure exactly what my takeaway was supposed to be and i don't even know if she necessarily has like a specific point but is it almost that her solution to the problem of like black women kind of having to choose between being a woman and being a black person is like unlearning gender so that we can focus solely on problems of race. Like, is that what y'all got from it, or does it? I do feel that she did
2: like make a point to mention that to put aside, like, masculinity, put aside femininity, and let's just like try to focus on things that are actual problems. Because yeah. this this like distracts people too much from what would actually need to be discussed.
3: <laughs>
5: hmm.
3: I don't know if I took that away? Okay. Mm-hmm. I don't. I don't know if we should. For, I just haven't formed a, a well thought out opinion of it. Like, I. I struggle with this article a little bit. Yeah. Because I don't. I I don't think you can separate. Pe- I, you can't separate people from all of the identities that they hold
4: mm-hmm. yeah. just for yeah.
3: to solve a problem. I just don't yeah. think that's a thing.
4: I don't think it'll ever be a thing. I feel like mm-hmm. just like how you can't, if black women or intersectional women can't choose. Like
5: Yeah.
4: you have to figure it out. Like in a, in a space where you're like, dang, is he being sexist or is he just being and then you have to decide which... And then when when you decide is what reaction you will get, right? Because I could respond with, you know, when someone says something racist, you ask them a why. Like, what does that mean again? Like, you ask them to explain. Mm-hmm. But if someone's being sexist, you might not do the same exact thing. You'll be like, but what if your mom... You know, the, the response is even different. So, like, mm-hmm. you can't choose one or the other to, like, focus on one problem. Because when you're talking about the policing of black women or... Women, black women who are raped, mm-hmm. that deals specifically with them, their race and their gender. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the like you can't time. at the same exact time. Yeah, at the same like that's what an intersection is. So yeah. picking and choosing one always leaves you wondering about the
1: other. Mm-hmm.
5: Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. That's a good. Quote.
4: I don't know. It's like weird. Like I can't explain <laughs> it. Mm-hmm. But it's weird like that. You can't separate. You can't separate them. They're hard to separate. I do think. Unlearning gender, but, like,
3: I don't know. But then not again, but not unlearning gender to erase intersectionality. It, yeah. That's yeah, the that, thing. Yeah, like, not unlearning gender so we can focus on race because there... Race is more important. As, because if we unlearn gender, I still don't think it'll be... I don't, still don't think we'll be in a place where as... A person who identifies as a black woman, I'll ever be able to be in a space where I can just avoid the whole woman piece because yeah. that's mm-hmm. so crucial to one part Which of the Which, like, identity. maybe that's the problem, maybe that's yeah. what she's trying to get. Maybe it shouldn't be, maybe it's just supposed to be that we're black <laughs> or white, woman. but in
0: a way, aren't yeah. if if gender is a social construct isn't race a social construct as well yes so yes but yes. it's deciding which one is one more important than the, the other. other exactly I mean,
3: that, and that's that's the that's the whole point well i mean by the by instances mm. of the law yeah. um they they're not different things but there's different levels of scrutiny for mm-hmm. race and gender. and gender like race is um strict scrutiny like you, mm-hmm. like you can't be out here discriminating people on the grounds of their race like that's completely strict scrutiny and then gender is in intermediate scrutiny so yeah. mm-hmm. th- by instance of the law race is more important and I was reading an article um, actually uh,
2: about that in the 1970s when regarding black feminism how women had been hired like black women had been hired to jobs that they previously had been allowed to but through the Black Feminism Movement, they you know were able to get in there, um, and then when the recession hit from um, like 73, I think is what the article quoted, the first people the people that were primarily laid off were black women. This like it affected them directly, and when they when the women took their case to court, the same thing that you guys were talking about, um, where they had to choose whether they wanted to be judged if it was a thing about racism or if it was a thing about sexism. Because mm-hmm. it, the court would not consider both of those things. And
4: that's where that term, like, intersectionality, intersectionality. blossoms. Yes.
3: I'm oh, like, okay, so we have both of these issues here.
4: And this and type of person is getting affected mm-hmm. at both angles. It's like, yeah. yeah. Kevin, you yeah. really threw a wrench in. Lamar.
1: Oh, bar. Yeah.
3: I, don't, I don't know what...
1: Yeah, see, because the it. reason why... I, I actually read it was because in the first few paragraphs, she took a shot at my discipline. So I was like, oh, I got to read all this now. (laughs) But it's technically true. It's like she writes that anthropology, like she doesn't want to frame it through that narrative because it was in the very beginning started as something like that white men did when they went to like pre-civilized societies with underrepresented communities to talk about like, you know, making models of like other groups of society and stuff. And so it's like that issue. And so that's why I went into reading it and I was like, reading a lot about it. And then also going back to what you were saying before with intersectionality, it's like, like you said before, Brie, you said that um, black men would never be asked to choose between their race or their gender. And also I was thinking because like, because we live in a world where it's like male dominated and oriented. So they would like black men would never have to be asked to do that because the narrative has already been preset towards men.
4: And as far as importance, right? Mm-hmm. They are seen as men before they are seen as black. What did I have seen? So mm-hmm. if I'm in a space and I'm in a space with a black man and I'm a black woman, but there's other men, oh, his manhood is definite. Like, they can talk. Oh, it's oh, clearly, clearly more important it's than clearly than womanhood. A, exactly. Yeah. And then the conversation around that. So whenever you talk about, like, I was having a conversation with someone this past summer, and they were like, black women do this. And I was the only black women in the room, and I was like... <laughs> mm-hmm. Or someone told me that women don't do... Or someone said women don't do math well. They're not good at math. I with you being an engineer, and I was like, like, like I'm in, excuse me? I, was, I was like, dang, okay. Like, but you had to choose, you know, yeah. are you doing it... You just don't know. Mm-hmm. And black men don't have I I have never seen it in a space unless it's, like, identified. Like, oh, I want to be identified as black first. But who's saying that? (laughs) Like, I don't know, but black men, their manhood, their patriarchy always trumps. Because they're like, I'm a man, and this is what it is, and y'all women, you're like... (laughs) Okay,
1: never mind. And it's like you have to be like Ruth and like let Walter, or like Gina, let um, Martin and Walter basically be emotionally stable for their sake.
4: And that's just BS. I just don't Mm -hmm. think, like, black women have to be, like, the punching bag for, like, both, right? Like, Mm -hmm. at the forefront of this movement for black men or all rights for, like, intersectional black people Mm -hmm. and then also, like, black, you know, women because white feminism and black feminism are Mm -hmm. different things and they benefit two different groups differently. Mm. It's, this is, mm-hmm. like, funny, but I was on Twitter, right? Yeah. And um, on Twitter, they were making, like, the robots or whatever, right? Like, you see people like Sophia or one of them, and yeah. someone was like, oh, you know, like, if the world is taking over and the robots kill all the people, you know, they might not recognize any of the black people because they're all built by white people, so they'll probably <laughs> have the eye and the keen sense <laughs> not to oh kill anyone God. or maybe take over people that don't look, you know, that don't look like them. Yeah. I was like, wow, that's smart. Like, keep doing what you, like, that was the one time I was like, okay, not including us was cool. <laughs> but, I like that so, but, I was like, okay, cool. It was the funniest thing I saw, but it was very funny. Like, okay, I like that. Because mm-hmm. they, they didn't take into account that even robots, if you're going to build them, need to be different races and mm-hmm. genders or whatever the yeah. case might be. Or their thinking still one mind. even in the innovation of engineering,
2: like the space that I'm in is ridiculous. What is that like? Do you are there, like certain pro, like problems or situations that you face as like a black woman in engineering? Oh yeah,
4: I mean the field itself is not.
5: Mm-hmm. When I
4: tell people that I'm an engineer, they're like, "Wow, you're so smart! Like you're getting the money," and and I was like, "Okay, <laughs> thanks. That's not why I joined, but okay." And also, um, I don't know. It's just it's an interesting encounter because. You're just met with a lot of different things um imposter syndrome a lot because you're in a field where you're usually the only black woman
5: right.
4: in a lot of your classes okay. like I know one black woman no yeah one black woman that graduated from my field and then two black men or whatever um and that was about it and I know there's like other women in my field now which is really 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 great mm-hmm. but um you just try not to get into conversations about things happening in the world. Okay. I I avoid those because usually you're around white men that have, like, very... There are some total of their experiences, and if they have not experienced other things besides Auburn particularly, when you start to talk with them... I'm sure that... It's just something that you don't want to touch because you're like, we can't even have a productive conversation because I know you don't know. Right. Not that I'm assuming, but just based off of what I heard earlier, you know, you just didn't laugh, just sitting there. You're like, yeah, I did this, this, this over the weekend. Oh, we don't have to talk about it. <laughs> they start. You you really have to pick and choose what you decide to get into, um, whether you want to decide to get into it as a black person or as a woman. like What you're saying is problematic because mm-hmm. of women or what you're saying is problematic because of race. And then you have to choose like which one is more impactful in that space. Which one will they learn more? Cause like as soon as you say something about race, they're like, "I'm not a racist," and then you're like, "I didn't even, I just, I, you just said darkies. I just that that can't be a thing. Oh, that can't be oh a thing, God. right? Like yes. I'm not saying that, Ooh, that but is, it happened. See what haven't we? Did y'all talk about the
0: Boondocks at all? We haven't really we
4: haven't talked, talked on about the, boondocks. the Boondocks. I
0: want to talk about
4: the word ho, I don't even know. I don't even know it's true, maybe. Yeah, and like, and see, that's... there's there's no is there is it a word? So like, what is it a thing? So
2: like, what is uh-huh. a hoe? Um, exactly, like, what is that? <laughs> like, like, it implies you, promiscuity.
0: I mean, but also a, people in, use it kind of as a term of endearment, almost. Like, I know like women who use it to describe their friends. They'll be like, "What's up, hoe?" Like, it's ho. a thing, kind of. Hmm? And,
1: uh, it's a prostitute. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. That, that's what That's Google. What, that's
4: what Google does Urban Dictionary say? What
1: yeah, is Urban Dictionary yeah.
3: I mean, but like also but then, Cardi B, like this for all my nasty hoes all across the globe.
0: Like, <laughs> mm. there can also be like a like a claiming of it. You know, is it a reclaimed word? Like, is how a word that. I relative. mean,
3: re-
4: not recently. I want to say, but like, Slut Walk with Amber Rose. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm people are saying that you made up this word to make yourself feel better in your patriarchal world. So mm-hmm. that's why it doesn't hold weight like one girl, there's this funny clip. I can't I have to oh my I love this clip and I'm going to have to look up her name oh, so on Instagram. we can link it. So we can link yeah. it. But there's a man, she goes to the slut walk and he's asking her like, you know, like ex- describe what what being a hoe is. And why you do certain things. She was like, because I can. And that's all she said. She was like, because I can. He's like, so you could do all these things? He's like, yeah. So
3: what if this happens? I mean. <laughs> and then he was like, but then you're a hoe. And she was like, no, no like, your you mom's are. a hoe. Like, yeah, you're, <laughs> a hoe. <laughs> you're a hoe. You're a hoe. And, and she was, was like, anybody
4: can be a hoe. Like, it, it was to the point she was making that you guys made up this word and ascribed it to women.
5: Yeah.
4: I was talking to somebody mm-hmm. the other day, and I was like, we do not scrutinize men for having multiple partners, or for... Mm-hmm. It is a seen as a thing that is good. Mm-hmm. A thing that is, like, lit. You know what I'm saying? Like, my... When I was at my house with my family, I couldn't have boys over. But my brother last week was kicking it with people at the house. And I was like... <laughs> and I'm I mean, just... I was just blown away. And it was crazy. I was just like, I didn't know we could do this. But my dad wouldn't see it as... Um, him in his manhood, but yeah, for me, mm-hmm. it's like, you no, know, like how Frank was with Moesha. Like, you need to. I'm
3: like, one, you could have just asked that
4: boy what his name
3: was, yeah, you could
4: have just been normal,
3: yeah. I also think in the Boondocks episode, like, it's very interesting to me that if a girl wants to be taken to dinner, oh, she's, she's a a hoe. Yo. but that's yeah. what it's like. Yeah, Raleigh, I dude. was just like, so okay, so gold digging is one thing, yeah, right. But, a hoe because she wants to go to dinner? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. I, and then somebody on Twitter was, somebody standing on Twitter and they were like if y'all go out on dates just to eat free food, like y'all are some hoes. And I was like but, but why though? Most of all, that's And they never big, have an explanation. Right, and that's kind
2: of mm-hmm. implying that like something is owed for the dinner. Exactly! Oh. See, exactly.
3: Like, well, like, if I, so if I don't, don't find me. you very attractive, and I you go on a date, and, and, and I go in a date with you, like, like okay. First of all, I think in my mind, like okay, like maybe you don't want to go in a date with somebody that you don't find attractive, but whatever, go do whatever you want to do. Um, and if nothing comes of it, I did just get a free meal. Mm-hmm. So like, how am I a hoe? For go, and then people were like, but. But it doesn't make any sense because why would you go with somebody that you didn't... Because y'all was pressed. But, and like, that, that you didn't want to be with or whatever. and pick, like Nobody would ever ask a guy mm, that. Yeah, yeah, nobody exactly. would ever say to a guy, like, well, you're not really interested in her for real, for real. So you shouldn't take her take out. Her out.
4: <laughs> man, because at the end of the day, like, I don't care what anybody says. Sometimes you go on dates because people be pressing you. Like, I mean, press. Like, so you ain't gonna take me. You don't wanna... You keep texting me. And I'm like, you know what? <laughs> if you wanna take take me out, because now you're getting on my nerves and you're blowing up my phone. Yeah. And at that point, I'm like, it's fine. Like I'll go with you. But I've already. And the funny part is, sometimes you let people know, you know, I'm not feeling you like that. Mm-hmm. And and they still like, come on, you know, man, they like the chase or the hard to get narrative. When yeah. I just told you that I'm good, and they're like, it's okay. Once after this, you gonna really and you like you went to the day you was like, know. Nah, <laughs> Thanks for the meal, but nah. Yeah. And they're like, so you still don't... (laughs) And I'm not a hoe because I'm not a hoe because I... Yeah,
0: it's... The whole thing, I feel like, with taking people to dinner is just this false narrative of it being, like, a transaction where you get something for buying your dinner. And I've even heard women saying that. Like, I... Like, um, there's this like female comedian, um, Eliza Schlesinger. she's not yeah. that popular, but she has a um, comedy special where she's like, Girls, like if, if a guy buys you a lobster, like if you order a lobster while you're out with man, you have to at least give him a hand job. Like you have to no! so and it's, like, What, are, thing. what are you telling so people? Because like, it's
4: like a transaction, like that's yeah, not yeah. I don't owe you anything because right. you were interested in me. Yeah. Like yeah, it's yeah. a weird concept. You sought me
3: out. So and I also don't owe you anything if I'm interested in, in you. you. Yeah. Like, if I mm. approach you and I'm like, I really like your vibe, like, I'd love to hang out. First of all, people, it blows people's minds mm-hmm. when you do stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Well, then, um, and then this, if we're talking about black feminism, it's this idea that for, for black women especially, if your past, I'd say probably for us, maybe it's like, Thirty five ish, and you don't have a husband, then you're an old maid of some sort. But they also, at the same time, don't want you to approach men and be forward and Mm -hmm. be the Mm person and be the initiator of conversation or anything like that because that's thirsty Thirsty and thirsty, right? I approach
4: Mm -hmm. even even for me, right? Like, what's the scripture? He who finds a good... Ooh, he who finds a wife, finds, finds a, good a good thing. Finds a good thing, right? So people, or the Boaz story, or the story about Boaz and waiting around and working and all this other stuff. I think, for me, as a Christian, I'm like, I take the Bible and I interpret it how I interpret it. Am I going to live and die to the last word? Some things are parables. Some things aren't, you know. Right. We ain't, like, people aren't, we're all wearing mixed fabrics, like... Some people eat meat, so when I saw people be like, da 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 but I watched this TED Talk, and she was like, I know, she was like, I know it says, you know, you finds a good thing, finds a good wife, whatever the case might be. She was like, but that doesn't mean you can't initiate. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She was like, initiate, and if they decide to, you know, want to talk to you, then that's it. She was like, that is not being thirsty, but I did that with someone this summer. I was at a bar, and I was like, hey, I think you're cute, like, and he was just like, I have never had a woman do this. And I was like <laughs> and I think it scared him away. Yeah. I was just no, like, I mean, I mean, you've been staring at me. Yeah. So uh-huh. I'm like, okay, well, let me approach you, but then right. they're like threatened. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like you so doing weird. too much. And you're yeah. like, I I just so now I'm yeah. doing too much. Or I'm thirsty. Or I'm a whole because I went up to you. <laughs> or I'm a hoe because I went up to you too. Yeah.
3: Yeah, and it's like this whole I want like your... if if I'm comfortable with myself and with Within my sexuality, or even just comfortable enough to approach you and want to go to dinner or whatever, then
0: I'm a hoe. Mm And
1: it's
0: like, no. It's such a leap. Even like it's.
1: Going back to the whole a woman owing a man thing, in a different world, the episode with Misunderstanding um, Zulu basically creates this book where it's like misunderstanding guide to basically figuring out men, especially at Hillman College. And then. At the end of the day, when they have the court trial or whatever, um, Zulu shows out his real opinion about why he um, wrote this book. And then he says something along the lines of, if we don't treat our women right, black women specifically at home and college, then they'll go to white men like Kim did, because yeah. Kim is dating a white man. And then in this episode with Zulu thinking that like black women have to like old black men and date it's them fine. and not date their oppressors or something? It's like, a
3: it's which a, which is a double yeah, standard yeah, because it exactly. when black, black it's black yeah. women should date yeah. black men but, and hold but the black men. family together. But yeah. if mm-hmm. black if men. black women aren't satisfying enough to what black men want, then they can go date whoever they want to. And yeah. no one and it's, no it's, one, it's one ever a shuns yeah. a
4: black guy. It's preference when it's being black guys, black but girl. when it's black women, it's oh so you just. You're not down for the count. You're not down for the brothers. And it's like, so when you did it, it was preference. You preferred. And, and no one is, you know what I'm saying? There are someone that is like, there, I know some people are like stick the black family together. However, color does not distinguish, like color doesn't dictate love.
5: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It doesn't
4: dictate love. Like the color of your skin, like I love everybody. It does mm-hmm. not dictate who yeah. I like, want to have intimate, like you're, you're it's kind of like you're minimizing my sexuality, my love for other people to the color of my skin.
5: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
4: And it's way, I mean, it is way, you know, relationships, we all have them. It's way more intimate than that. Yeah. So, but the thing is, with black women, we get, oh, like, what? Tamara Mori just said that her husband, he works for Fox. She just said her husband was not a racist, and everybody was like, they're, they're getting on her calling her tamaga like they're tamasa like they're going in and it's like that's
1: so problematic
4: it's oh like God. I don't know how I feel about what she said we're going to have to link that too yeah. and I found the yeah. other video it's with Jesse Lee Peterson and Samira Rahim um so I'll link that too but people she said on the reel like oh I know my husband works for Fox but he is not a racist and everybody like went in you know what I'm saying like even with um, but also Jordan P. Keel. he didn't. He didn't really get a lot of flag right? from. like he may get out right, but he he has a white wife. But no one, someone mentioned it, but it wasn't this like they weren't calling him, new names that reference racism. Right. Like it was never. It was like yeah, but y'all know, y'all know, and then that was it. But for Tamara, it anytime she speaks on the intersectional of like her relationship. People go in, I mean, extremely in, and it's ridiculous. Like, she just says one, it's like a clip, and she just says one thing, and it's like, this is what black women usually have to face, you know? like Man, I had no idea. Hmm. Like, like that, I yeah. even Serena Williams, I heard someone say, like, Serena Williams needs to run back, you know, when all of those yeah, things happen she's... at the U.S. Open. like It was like, you might as well need to go run back to your white man so he can fix it for you, and it was like...
5: Whoa.
4: Yeah. I heard someone say that shot here I was like one I'm not gonna I'm not even those are the types of conversations you don't engage it's in right. because yeah. you know it's or like you have that. to decide if you're going to teach at that point right? right and I was just like he was like all I'm saying is you wanted to marry this white man and now the white man turning on you and I was like okay you guys but that's what even even with Serena Williams right mm-hmm.
5: Mm-hmm.
4: Yeah, she had a baby she did And people still, like, that's, I think that's to the extent which black women face, right? That was, like, a clear example of you could do everything in the world. You could never cheat in your life. Mm -hmm. And they will still find a way to, and even in that comic, they represented her as a baby slash primate type character, but also a woman. So that represented the black and then her being a woman. it was, like, shout out to our cousins down the block
0: all right so today for our shout out to our cousins down the block I want to talk about uh, Chimamanda Ngozi Adichie Uh, she grew up in Nigeria and she has written many many books that have been translated into over 30 languages and um, have won prizes like the O. Henry Prize um, the Commonwealth Writers Prize um, the Right Legacy Award, just so many things. And um, she had a TED Talk in 2012 called We Should All Be Feminists that was my first introduction to her, which got so many views and had her in such international attention that she ended up featured in a verse in a Beyonce song, Flawless. And her speech is in that um, video, which got 76 million views. So she is a proud feminist. Um, She wrote a book-length essay called We Should All Be Feminists, and she definitely addresses intersectional feminism and the flaws of white feminism. Uh,
2: She is described by The New Yorker as the writer who is now regarded as one of the most vital and original novelists of her generation.
0: Yeah. And uh, she is awesome and uh, a great example of black feminism and intersectional feminism.
2: Her, um... Her works have sparked so many conversations about feminism, and she even uh, went, she even criticized uh, the bio of Hillary Clinton, I don't know if you guys knew this, but she criticized the bio of Hillary Clinton for starting off with the word wife, and even though she got a lot of backlash about it, Hillary did end up changing her bio to um,
0: something that didn't place her so much in that, like, box of yeah. what a
2: woman needs to be. I
0: didn't even know that, that's really cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah so uh we like her (laughs) she's doing great things yes all right well uh thank y'all for tuning in we hope you enjoyed our uh complex wandering conversation about black feminism and that you got something out of it if you have any thoughts you want to share hit us up on facebook or instagram we are at click at black box studios on both of them um, and the links will be uh, somewhere in our description. And if there's anything that you want to share your opinion on, please feel free, and we can address it in a later podcast. Thanks, guys. All right. Bye. Bye. See you. <laughs> Cue the static.
2: You have been listening to Click, brought to you by BlackBlock Studios. And we'd just like to say, Stay, stay Black! black.
3: Thank you so much for tuning in to Click this week. As always, you can find us on Facebook at Click, C-L-I-K, at Black Box Studios.